Hello, my name is Claire Hopkins and in this podcast I'm going to explain how to complete the QQI Level 5 module Person-Centred Focus to Disability. To do that, I'm going to be referring to the assessment guidelines that you would have received at the start of your studies. So it'd be a good idea to have them opened as you listen and so you can make notes as I work my way through the pages. Now, saying that, I won't be um, reading every sentence in that document. So as it's suggested at the very start of the page, for page one, um, it's really important that you read the guidelines yourself at least two or three times. And this will ensure that you understand exactly what's expected of you. And then when you're going through the course material, you'll be able to identify the course content that addresses the questions being asked because the course content is based on the assessment requirements for this level five module. Let's begin. The first two and a half pages of these guidelines just outline exactly how you're being assessed, how you, we mark your work, how we support you, how you should submit your work and evaluate the course upon submission and then general tips and advice about studying, which might be very useful if it's been a while for you. Okay, so let's go to the t first page then, and at the top you see assessment requirements. And as you, as you can note there, you have to do two assessments. So you have an assignment that's worth 40%, and then a learner record worth 60% of the overall marks. And around four weeks after you submit, you will receive an email from the college and attached to that is a feedback sheet. And that will state your provisional grade awarded, whether that's a pass, a merit or a distinction. It's provisional until we present the work for uh, certification to QQI. Also in that feedback sheet are just some a, a brief comment or two from the assessor to explain the grade that was awarded to you. Moving on, a key element of any course with the college is how we support you and we're there to help you. We're there to make sure that you have a positive learning experience. So it's really important that you link into the supports in a timely way. Okay, so we support you in two ways. We have the technical support team of e-learning. So look, technical glitches can happen and what we always say in the college is if you can't sort it out yourself after 10 minutes, then it's time to get in touch with us. And the preferable way to do so is by emailing e-learning and their email address is there and just state what the issue is, obviously, and then that you're a student on this program and you'll be sorted in no time. Another very key support is your tutorial support. Now your tutor is a subject matter expert and a practitioner with a wealth of experience behind them. They also are a module expert, so they know what the end result is. They know this module inside out. They know what standard has to be achieved, to be achieved in order to pass the module. And they um, no doubt are actually going to be the assessor of this course that you're undertaking. So wouldn't it make perfect sense that you check in with them to ensure that you're on the right track? So they're there to ask questions, to clarify anything that you're confused about. And like even just something as simple as you're reading through the course material and you come up with an example 
to explain something like the medical model or the social model or whatever it might be and you're not quite sure whether it's a really good example and therefore you get in touch with them and ask them and they can tell you whether or not you have enough there to really answer the question being asked or need to add more detail. So please utilise the support. Your tutor will be in touch explaining how to get in contact with them. It's usually mainly through email but also available by telephone or even online Zoom support if that's uh, relevant for this particular course that you're on. So utilise the support in a timely way. I know it's a bit intimidating, especially if you feel you're asking a silly question, but that's the job. Their job is there to answer any question and ensure that you get the most of your time with us. Okay, so moving on then, we're going to outline how you submit your work. In essence, you submit your work by email to assessments at opentrainingcollege.com. And we want you to submit one document and that document will contain your submission checklist and declaration of own work as the first page. And you can type your name um, there in the signature line as it's explained there on page two. And it's really important that you're conscientious about how you save your document, your submission, and then the title of your, of your subject line of the email to assessments with your assessment attached so that it's easily recognisable and, and straightforward for assessments to process your work. If you require an extension, that's totally understandable. Life happens and um, the standard length of time we provide is two weeks. So it's important that you link in with your tutor and um, especially if you feel you're, on, you're getting under pressure and you mightn't reach the deadline and get their support and advice in what to do there. Okay, I'm just going to skip down to the course evaluation on page three. So um, you will be asked, to, whether by email or through my OTC, to evaluate the overall course upon completion of it. And we use Google Forms. So it's a URL that you click into and it only will take you five minutes. And we really do appreciate the time you take to complete this evaluation and um, telling us what we do really well and then areas that you felt could have been better all will pay dividends and ensure that the work and um, that we do is continue to be delivered to this high standard okay so I'm just going to go back up to general advice in the completion of your assessments So the first tip there is to start them now. And that's essentially what you're doing, really. You're reading um, your assessment guidelines and you're listening to this podcast and you're going to be going through the course material. And that's why I'm saying it's really important to have a good sense of the assessments as you go through the course material, because then you can go back into the questions being asked and make a quick note of where the answer is or, a, you know, a possible answer that you have in mind to complete that assessment. So all those notes that you make as you go through the course material will pay dividends because there's no way you're going to answer all the questions in one or two sittings and um, it's too stressful so chip away at them from the outset and um, it's the best way of approaching any of these kind of assessments and um, while they're fresh in your mind as well make a note of an answer and then when you come back you'll be so grateful in a couple of weeks time that you've made that note with that suggested answer that you had in mind 
and as we've said read the guidelines carefully and um, you'll see on the next couple of pages the assessment criteria and that's essentially how we mark your work we have to determine whether you've met the criteria with the questions or the answers that you provided to us and like essentially the questions are asking or testing whether you understand the topic and if you can relate that that theory or concept um, to your practice to show your understanding of it in practice it's all about being applied learning and then there's a just a advice there about the learner record because it is worth 60% of the marks so it's the majority of the marks are going for that reflection assessment and so it's really important that you answer all the questions being asked because simply missing a question can lose extensive marks what people always ask us is how much to write and that's totally understandable especially if you're feeling a bit intimidated and um, but essentially what we want you to do is answer the question being asked so if you're asked to outline outline if you're asked to describe paint us a picture we're not there in practice watching you in action all we have going for us is what you've written down on that piece of paper so the more information and description that you provide if that's what's asked of you of the question the better because therefore we can really get a sense of your understanding of that concept and your practice okay and then finally then we talk about referencing now even though it's not a requirement as such it is an excellent academic skill to practice and what we're looking for here is an avoidance of plagiarism so what that means if you're unfamiliar with it is not copying from other sources and stating it as if it's your own so for any research you carry out which is great fair play and um, it's really important that you cite the source so you tell us where you got your material from and even better it would be great if you put it in your own words and still cite the source but because you've put it in your own words you're using your own voice and you're showing us a better sense of your understanding of that concept so it's really important to use it wisely because then that shows how well you've engaged with the material your tutor can help you with this if you're unsure and there might be resources provided for you on my OTC as well about how to reference successfully Let's look now at the assignment and it's covered on page four of the guidelines. As you can see, it's divided into four parts and a quick glance through will show you that it focuses on the theory and the concepts that underpin person centeredness. So let's look at each of these four parts. Question one asks you um, to explain what is meant by the medical and social models of disability. Now, these lens or perspectives on disability are covered extensively in the course material. So sit with them for a while and think and ponder upon them. You may have heard them before. They might be quite new concepts to you, but they have been extremely influential in how services have been delivered, how society perceives disability and how you as a practitioner carry out the work that you do and the opportunities that you provide and your perception and attitudes and values um, that you put into practice from working in the sector. And what we want you to do is explain those models and then provide an example of each that show the difference between the two. Question two then looks at inclusion and it, that's arguably what we're about here with person centeredness. 
how can we see beyond the service walls so that people feel more included in their community and we want you to define it and there's lots of definitions out there and again covered extensively in the course material and um, my favorite definition is from judith snow who says inclusion means it matters if you're not there that's a real thinker given that we're coming out of COVID and um, how important it is to belong to have a relationship a sense of belonging and it's mattering if you're not there and that's why we want you to describe why it is important in the lives of individuals and in particular those with disabilities and we want you to consider a really nice example of how your service or organization is promoting inclusion what are they doing on a daily or weekly basis that is looking beyond the service walls to promote the inclusion of people question three looks at two different models of uh, service delivery person-centered focus or individualized approach and then mass management um, and we want you to provide an example of each within your organization so as you read through the course material around these concepts we are certainly moving in the right direction we're becoming more individualized in our approach and we're certainly not institutionalized anymore like mass management in the classic way of it but mass management does exist and that's something that we need to be aware of and how it, it presents itself um, maybe in less obvious ways and that's what we want you to consider so read the material talk to your colleagues and consider what are we doing um, in our practice where maybe the service needs are being met more so than the individual person using our service the next part of question three looks at the principles of person-centered focus so we have principles identified by the national disability authority and then more recently with new directions and what we would like you to do is outline so outline basically means a very brief description of a sentence of what each principle is about and then we want you to pick two of those principles that you've outlined and then provide two examples of these principles in your exam in your service or from the general social care sector so this might be a nice opportunity to do a little bit of research and see what is happening out there outside um, my service walls um, an example that, that you may come across in the course material is the national advocacy service or examples of independent living services where people are you know living their own lives out in the community and not necessarily attached within a, in a service so that's that's question three and now we're going into question four and we're going to ask you then to explore five valued experiences and social valued roles so let's look at the five valued experiences so you would have had explored that in the course material and we want you to outline them so explain what each of the five valued experiences are about and then tell us well how does that support you as a practitioner and the five valued experiences are really useful kind of like nearly as a checklist to judge the quality of support provided by people with disabilities so like maybe at an end of each week you could look back and say how did i um, as a practitioner or indeed how did we as a team promote these five valued experiences did people maintain their dignity did they have an opportunity to enhance their contribution were they more did they maintain their level of involvement in the community and in, in visiting ordinary places at ordinary times with ordinary people outside of the service walls 
So what we want you to consider is how can these five added experiences help you and your service judge the quality of the support that you're providing. We also look at social role valorization and the concept there is looking at the perception of people with disability. So what and ask the question of why are people with disabilities not enjoying inclusion? And usually the reason is that they're not performing roles in the community that have value. So if they're primarily seen as the disabled person or um, a service user, then that pigeonholes them in that role and people cannot see beyond that role. So they're bounded in that role and no opportunities then are off offered or um, chances to strike up a conversation or be involved beyond the services walls, beyond that role. So what we'd like you to do is what is meant by a socially valued role? And that's covered again in the course material. And give two reasons why it is really essential for anybody to have valued and, you know, socially valued roles and not negatively valued roles. And we want you to provide examples from your um, service of socially valued roles that the people that you work with hold in your organisation. on now and look at the learner record. Now a learner record is an assessment type that requires you to reflect upon your learning and primarily what it looks at is what did you take from this course of study and it happens to be this module. What are you good at? What do you need to improve upon and how are you going to go about doing that? So to complete this learner record, it's really important that you take the time to note your learning and your thoughts about yourself as a person centred practitioner. And that's something that we can be quite poor at doing. We just get on with the job in hand to the best of our ability. And we don't take a time maybe at the end of a day or end of a week, end of a month, just to sit down for whatever length of time, whether it's talking to a colleague or just writing in a journal, what am I happy about in my job? What did I do really well there? And describing it and teasing it out to understand how you can maintain your good practice or maybe how you can prevent frustration in the future by not doing the same thing again. So what do you do well? What do you enjoy about your job? What do you need to work on? And what tools and techniques do you need to practice to address and overcome these challenges? So we suggest that you try to aim for two paragraphs for each question listed below. And that's just to unpack it as fully as possible so that we get a really good insight into who you are as a practitioner. And it's really important also to when you're explaining you doing something, whether it's active listening or, or you know, effective communication or empowerment, that you relate it to the course material. So for active listening, one of the techniques we suggest you might use is the flower approach. So tell us in your example how you thought through the flower approach to be as effective as you can be. Question um, one and two, questions one and two, look at language. And what we'd like you to do is consider how is language used in your service? 
So when we think about language, we think of the jargon, the service terminology that we use every day, the tone and the manner in which we speak about people that we work with um, and the service that we provide. So we want you to consider two examples of language that you've seen or hear written about people with disabilities. And would you say from your experience to date, now whether that's in your service or whether that's in the disability sector in general, has it changed much since you first started working in the disability sector? Explain how and why that is the case. And that's why one of the questions we ask you in the course material is to consider if you had to do a handover or explain about somebody and you had to know two pieces of information. What two pieces of information did you note? Was it around their medical needs and support needs? Was it mainly just around interventions or was there any sense of the individual in the handover? So the manner in which you talk about the person and, and exchange information is really influential and does impact on the service that they are provided as a result. And we want you then to provide one example where you actually saw a real clear impact of how respectful and dignified person first language um, had on how the other people viewed a person with disability that you work with. So can you think of an example where by virtue of using appropriate language, people started to see the person from a different perspective. Communication is the next segment and it has three questions underneath this and what we'd like you to do is consider communication and really what we're talking about is your ability to develop rapport and a relationship with the people that you work with. It's key isn't it to everything that you do. You're establishing a relationship and your job is to maintain that relationship and develop it and cultivate it so that you can be as effective as you can be for that person in promoting a quality of life of their choosing. So we want you to identify two examples of you being excellent in how you communicate. And one of those examples should be of active listening. And what we'd like you to do is paint a picture. Describe exactly what you did and outline how that impacted on the person and the situation positively. Okay, you'll remember, link it to the, 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 the techniques and the tools um, that we explain in the course material and also consider beyond active listening and other examples. So it could be, how do you show empathy? How do you make sure that the environment is conducive? How do you communicate effectively with that person in mind? What is their communication technique? Um, how do you ensure that your message is understood or you understand their message? Question four here asks you to reflect on one example where your communication wasn't at the best. So what are you going to do to improve your practice here? So what barrier did you face? What went wrong? And what are you going to um, look at improving into the future to avoid that as much as possible? And then we want you to consider how you with your colleagues could improve communication in your workplace. So you're working in maybe very busy environments, very stressful environments and communication does break down. So what could you and your colleagues put into place 
so that those barriers or stressors when it comes to communicating among each other can be avoided as much as possible. So consider that. What two ways could you change um, the way you as a team communicate? Is it, way the, the, is it the method of communication? Is it the timing of it? Is it um, the environment and so on? What could you tweak to make communication more effective? Empowerment then is the, the next uh, section and there's three questions underneath this. So question six asks you, how did you empower a person to make an informed decision that was important to them? So empowerment um, is all around the balance of power. So the person making a decision with your support so that they can realize something and move forward. So describe one example of that in action. Question seven looks at a tool of empowerment and that is advocacy. And you are an advocate. And so what does that mean to you? What does being an advocate mean to you? And give us two examples of how you advocate on a daily, weekly basis with the people that you work with. How do you ensure that their voice is heard and it's acted upon? And then question eight looks at what you have learned over your career so far to date about the capacity and the uniqueness of the individuals that you work with. The final section then explores challenges and opportunities. Person-centeredness isn't easy and, it, and as practitioners you're always going to face challenges and barriers to become person-centered. And what we can try to do as practitioners is learn tools and techniques uh, to be a bit more resilient so that we can always try another way and to collectively as a team we can improve the quality experienced of this of service users of our service. So what we'd like you to do in question nine is clearly state two challenges. Now be descriptive, remember, smart. Tell us exactly what it is that you face as a challenge and give us two of them. And then picking one of them, we want you to examine it going through each of the six thinking hats. And the end result of that question is an insight in your ability to be flexible and creative in addressing a challenge. So we want you to state what are the facts of that challenge or what information do you need to find out more around why that challenge is one. What's the outcome that you want to achieve? The yellow hat. What is the best possible outcome? How do we feel about that? The red hat. Are we positive, excited, burnt out, whatever it might be? Black hat. What has happened in the past around this challenge? Maybe we're stuck in the past. We need to learn from it. Lessons learned, wisdom there. But what are, is preventing us from moving forward? What had happened in the past? And then finally, consider the green hat. So we have our outcome, the best possible outcome. How could we possibly go about achieving that? Putting aside our feelings, what has happened in the past and so on. 
could we identify some creative solutions around that challenge to address it, to achieve the yellow hat, that vision, that possible solution. So there you go. I trust that um, this podcast has provided you with a really good start in answering the questions being asked um, in for this assessment. And um, as I said from the outset, your tutor is there, the course material is there, keep in touch and we're, we look forward to working with you and the very best of luck. Music.